And I think Coco Melon is part of the problem, to be quite honest. And I, I know that that's an unpopular opinion. That is not what your child is going to learn language from. They're going to learn language from their environment. And if nobody's interacting with them, they're not going to learn to communicate. This is the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Hello, dear friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington, and I am your host. Today, we are talking about screen time. I know that I've covered this a few times before, but today I specifically want to cover screen time in kids under the age of two. I reached out to a speech language pathologist that I follow on Instagram, and I wanted to talk to her about um, screen time in very young kids and language development. So that's what the conversation will be about today. I want to bring in a little bit of the research from this field of screen time in very young kids, and I want to, before Before I do share my conversation with Tracy, I would like to share some studies that I found and give you a bit of my input when it comes to screen time in kids under two. As I do with everything with Curious Neuron, my goal is never for you to listen to this and feel that you've messed up your child or you feel like you've done something wrong. I don't want you to... to feel like a bad parent. That is not the goal of Curious Neuron. I want to bring you information, but what I'd love for you to do is to sit with this information, assess it, and then see how you can make this fit within your home, within how you are parenting your child. Uh, you know, it's it's a suggestion, obviously, with everything I do, that is based on the science that I'm reading. A lot of the science that I read has informed how I am parenting my kids. And if you've never heard this science before and are are hearing it for the first time today, then all I want is for you to say, can I make some changes within my home or how I'm parenting my child? Especially today with screen time, I know that this is a very sensitive topic for many parents. I know because when I post about it on um, social media, there's a lot, not everyone obviously, but there is some pushback. And the pushback usually comes in the form of, I watched screen time as a child and I turned out okay, or my child is fine and and performing very well at school and they had tons of screen time. That's okay. That's fine. That's also an N of one, right? That is not a study with lots of kids and a huge population study. And to me, um, what I, I like to remind myself or remind parents is that the studies are not saying there's a direct cause. So the studies that we are seeing that are highlighting some attentional difficulties, not ADHD, attention is a cognitive skill. So you can struggle with your attention without having ADHD. But what these studies or some studies are suggesting is that there are attentional problems in children who have excessive screen time, three hours or more for children between the ages of two and and five. We are seeing attentional difficulties in kids at seven years old. Now, in kids under two, I have rarely touched that topic because technically, if we are following the American Association of Pediatrics, they should not be having any screen time before the age of two. Now, that is me talking as Cindy, the the person who has a PhD in neuroscience. Now, let me talk to you as Cindy, the mom of three. It is okay if there are moments where you need screen time in young kids, 
personally, I made the decision in my home not to introduce my kids to screen before the age of two. It was very easy to do that with my firstborn. Um, she did not have any screen time past two and a half. Um, screen time, by the way, does not include FaceTime or Skype or anything where the images are not moving as quickly as a TV show. So that doesn't count when the American Association of Pediatrics talks about screen time under the age of two. Now, it was easy with my my firstborn. It was easy with my secondborn because um, when my daughter would nap, uh, when my my secondborn, my son would nap, then that's when my daughter would have, you know, 20, 30 minutes of screen time once in a while, not every day. My three kids never had daily screen time until this past December. They are now three, five, and seven. Now, I just want to say also with my third born, it um, became a little bit more difficult not to have screen time around him. He started watching um, TV, but strategic, like I would choose very slow episodes and shows or some YouTube videos that I personally liked. Um, He started watching or having screen time a little bit past 18 months. I don't remember the specific months. I know he had, he was 18. It might have been 17, 19 months. It was before he turned two. Very little screen time, not daily, um, but he would have some videos here and there. And then by the time he, so then with my three kids, um, for the past year, I would have them watch screen time. There was Tuesday morning and Thursday morning and some on the weekend as well. And when I say Tuesday morning and Thursday morning, it was one hour. And then on the weekends, maybe a little bit more, not both days. There was one day where we would choose to have screen time or a movie night with our family. That is all they had at the ages of three, five, and seven. Now, since December, we gave them um, the Nintendo Switch and now they're able to have one hour every day, either in the morning or at night. And there are, um, not night, but in the afternoon. And there are days where they do get more. And there are still days where there is zero screen time in this home. Um, and that's strategic according to, you know, if I noticed yesterday they had more like two hours, then the next day I might not have any screen time. They are okay with that. They are able to function and I monitor that. I want to share that to be completely transparent with you because when I'm coming, you know, when I'm speaking and offering advice, I know that it's hard. Honestly, in retrospect, I wish I wouldn't have been so strict on certain aspects of screen time because I was extremely sick with my um, first trimester with all three kids and it got worse as I had kids. So by the time I had, I wasn't having my third pregnancy. I was vomiting multiple times during the day and I was home with my two young kids um, that were, you know, one and three years old. So it was really hard to monitor that without having any screen time. And I think part of me wishes I wasn't so um, strict on that for myself. I felt it was important for me. I did it. It's possible. Um, but I wish I would have just been a little bit more lenient on myself um, and and really allowed that to happen. And, you know, and that is why partly the reason why I want to have this conversation, because if there's a mom or a dad out there having a day that is difficult or sick or pregnant and vomiting or whatever it is in your situation or had a really bad day and you have a child who's under two, I personally don't want you to feel like you're ruining your child because they're having screen time. That's not what I want 
people to have in our society. However, if you are a parent that has a child under the age of two and they're having daily screen time from one hour to two hours every single day and you're having trouble with their behavior, I would like you to to take that into consideration um, because we can see some impact of screen time, excessive screen time in very young kids. And I I sifted through the literature and the research um, just before recording this because I wanted to see what was some of the newest um, research that had come out. I don't want to talk about a study from 1990. We, we've come a long way now. There are still lots of studies that that come out that I feel are not very good in terms of quality. We still need a lot of longitudinal studies, which means like following somebody for a couple of years. We need to do that with kids um, and especially coming out of the pandemic. Can we say coming out? <laughs> not sure. Um, but especially now after having, you know, had these lockdowns and the pandemic, I'm curious to see if there, I'm hoping there are people and researchers doing these longitudinal studies so that we can see the impact. But I don't want to wait to see the responses. I don't want to wait to see the results of these kinds of studies. Why don't we as a society right now try to make sure that we are being mindful of the screen time being used in our home and, and being aware of some of the studies that would suggest that we make some changes if we can and depending on our situation, obviously. So that is the conversation I want to have with you today. Some healthy screen time habits for kids under the age of two. Here is what I found. Oh, actually, before I share this study, I'd like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute for supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. I appreciate everything that they do for us. This podcast exists because of them. Um, and also it exists because of you, the listener. We, um, we, I don't know who we are. <laughs> I am so grateful that you subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't, please press the button to subscribe um, because it allows whichever system you are using, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, whatever you're using, when you subscribe or you leave a rating or a, rev a review, it lets them know that you are interested in it and it pushes up the podcast a little bit more on the charts. There's a website you can check uh, called chartable.com and that that allows you to see like where this podcast is up on the charts and the more downloads and the more you listen to it and the more you engage with the podcast the better or the better rating a podcast gets and that's how we me uh, a podcast host or somebody who produces a podcast will receive funding because if companies see like hey she's doing pretty well, then we do get some funding. And that allows me to, to record the podcast, to take the time, which by the way, is anywhere between 10 to 15 hours a week, uh, or to hire people, which is what I do now, um, to help me edit the podcast and put it out there so that I could do other things like the Instagram account, like the blog post, like the Curious Neuron Academy at CuriousNeuron.com and Wondergrade, which is my second company, which is an app that helps children with their emotions. So I have a lot of these other things that I do, but I love the podcast so much because I receive emails from you guys every single week um, explaining how it's helped you. And as you know, we're, we're close to ending season four of the podcast. We're ending it early so that we could have a little bit of a revamp of Curious Neuron, which is going to focus all about this, all on emotions and mental health and your child's emotional health. So 
All that to say, thank you for listening. And let's move on to some of the studies that I found that I think you're going to find interesting. The links to these studies are in the show notes. And if you'd like to read them, just click on the link. All right. So there was a study that I was looking at here. It's it's called Screen Media Exposure in the First Two Years of Life and Preschool Cognitive Development. So this is a longitudinal study. Um, and they followed children, uh, 274 children, in fact, um, up until the age of four from age. So from age two to age four, and they monitored, um, oh no, sorry, not, they monitored them. Sorry. They followed them until the age of four, but they monitored them from six, 12, 18, 18 months, two years, and then age four. And what they found, this was the conclusion. I just want to read you the, the conclusion of the study, delayed introduction of social media, Uh, uh, sorry, the late introduction of screen time, appropriate screen time, and increased verbal interaction during media use in the first two years of life were associated with better cognitive development in preschoolers. So they tested them at the end. They tested various cognitive abilities, including gross motor, fine motor um, skills, visual reception, receptive language, and expressive language. So there were worse cognitive abilities in children who had been exposed much earlier and who had excessive screen time. What they also found in this study is that when there were parenting behaviors that were more um, strict and I guess authoritarian, um, that there was more of a chance of uh, increased screen time. Earlier screen time and excessive screen time was linked to behavioral problems in kids, um, less self-control and um, not as strong of a parent-child relationship. So I think we do have to read this and and understand that there are always limitations. I'll put the link to the show notes in the show notes, Um, but that we do need to look at this and say, okay, if my child is, is having a lot of screen time right now and they're under the age of two, what can I do to replace that screen time? Um, you know, and, and if I'm struggling with myself, with my mental health, and that's leading to more screen time, what can I do to take care of myself so that I can find ways to minimize uh, screen time in my child? All right, let's move on to my conversation with Tracy. Tracy Bearden is a SLP, so a speech language pathologist in the States, and she really specializes on neuro-based um, um, SLP. Um, she does work with older um, people, but she definitely is very aware of the research around screen time in younger kids, and she was very passionate about coming on and chatting with me, and I'm glad that we did. Um, I'm sharing with you a part of the conversation that I think will allow you to think about the way that you might be doing things. And again, I don't want this to be uh, a podcast episode that makes you feel bad. Listen to it with open ears and an open heart and an open mind in terms of, you know, what is impacting you, which, which stat really got to you um, from this episode. And if the, if it did, what do you think you can do differently in your home? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tracy. I will see you on the other side. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to Curious Neuron. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. I, just for those of you that are listening, Tracy reached out to me after um, I posted about Coco Melon. And, you know, for those of you who who think like, I don't know, that maybe I don't take criticism. I don't know what you, you do think, but I do. And it wasn't criticism, but it was a really valid conversation that you brought up. And then we we started chatting from there and we've been chatting since. So I had posted about Coco Melon saying that, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> and and I got a lot of pushback and a lot of comments um, from parents. And I get it. 
Um, it's not a fun show for me to listen to in the background, but right. you brought up a really interesting and valid point about the way that they speak in that. And 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 as an SLP, um, I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. So can you just share that before we get into our conversation today about screen time and language, your thoughts on Coco Melon? Coco Melon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yes, I, as much as the rest of the adult world, do not care for the whole thing. Um, it's pretty annoying to listen to, but when I observed a few episodes, I noticed that the tone and intonation, so the way that the um, character's voice sounds, so like the pitch and the tone and inflection is nothing. Mm. And it's just very plain. And so when young children are being exposed to screen time, what they're hearing is what they're absorbing. And if a child is sitting in front of a Coco Melon TV marathon for, you know, three hours a day, every day, they're not going to have a whole lot of, um, you know, pitch variation mm-hmm. or intonation or when they go to learn to ask a question and make a request versus make a statement, mm-hmm. they're not going to have that question intonation at the end kids don't learn just what to say they learn how to say it from their environment and I think that that part has not been addressed enough with what children are exposed to especially at a young age um in their screen time and I think Coco Melon is part of the problem (laughs) to be quite honest and I I know that that's an unpopular opinion Sometimes. No, I, it was pretty divided though in the post. There were there was the team I hate Coco Melon and, That's and then true. team I love it. I know. I was like, I feel like this is an unpopular opinion, and I was yeah, like, no, I was a little surprised <laughs> to be honest with you. You know, in our home, um, when it comes to screen time, all three of my kids did not have any screen time before the age of two, and then around two, we introduced a little bit of TV, some like slower TV shows, old episodes of Mister Rogers, but. We, when it comes to even Coco Melon, I, I, they don't watch more than 15, 20 minutes. So I think the conversation that we need to have today is, is really approaching screen time from every angle, but looking at it in terms of language, I've covered the research before. So for those of you listening, I will put the uh, link to that episode in the show notes, but today with um, Tracy, I'd love to cover language a little bit more. So how about we start with understanding screen time and language in young children. Um, I know that it's recommended to not have screen time before the age of the 18 months. Why is this recommended? So this is recommended for multiple reasons. And this is because there have been an uptick in the amount of research studies that have shown that exposing children to screen time before the age of two negatively impacts the child's ability to develop language. Mm -hmm. And they chose language development because it is much easier to track because all children develop similar um, language components like syntax, semantics, things like that. And these are um, three different studies in 2021. And I can give you the references if you want to link them. Children between the ages of two and five that had been exposed to screen time, even an hour of it once a day showed significant delays behind their peers that had not been exposed to screen time prior to two years in language acquisition, some physical development and socio-emotional development, Mm -hmm. and even a small portion lagged slightly behind in cognitive development. They did continue to track these children. 
Some did catch up, some required therapy, but they also focused, you know, on different types of screen time. Kind of like you said, how your children were exposed to that softer, that more slow moving TV time versus a screen in high definition on an iPad right next to their face with rapid movement. That's one of the biggest changes, right? Sometimes parents will tell me, well, I grew up, you know, watching TV. I was in front of the TV all the time. And I think there's a really big difference in what screen time looked like, uh, you know, 30, 40 years Mm -hmm. ago versus now. Now screen time is everywhere. First of all, we didn't have screen time in the car on our way to the doctor's appointment. Right. We didn't have um, TVs in the back of our headrests. Exactly. Right now it's everywhere. And when we're watching a screen um, on the wall, let's say in the living room versus two inches away from our face, there's a very big difference. And you can just swipe yeah. on your phone and go from one app to the, you don't like this? Yeah. Oh, I'll just go do this instead. Yeah. It's just so easy. Right. To have it. Yeah. And anything yeah. you want is right there. And that really, from a speech therapy standpoint, creates an issue for the child's development of even of executive functioning skills, Mm -hmm. because we learn how to control our emotions Mm -hmm. and control our behaviors from activities that make us wait, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're young, kind of like different shaped pegs. Oh yeah. Through the hole. Yes. Yeah. Box games or whatever that have the cutout shapes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely or even building blocks. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, I'm mentioning toys that have nothing to do with the screen, Mm -hmm. but they create situations for a child to be creative with limited resources. Mm -hmm. They have to find a way to not get frustrated when they don't have instant access. I love that word, limited resources. Um, because I just think about how much you have to think when that's when you're in that situation of limited resources, right? Like even when it comes to toys or play or imagination, you don't need every single pretend play item around you when it comes to that. Exactly. And I tell parents, you don't have to buy all those toys. Just the fact of like having the pretend you can play bank and have a shoebox that's your bank account. You know, like I think of like the old way of playing. Absolutely. Anything, right. That has a huge role in language, right? Because we're also having, we have to speak and and come up with different words and phrases and questions. And so I could imagine how rich that environment is compared to absolutely. That sounds like the most wonderful language enriched Mm -hmm. environment for a child. So what do you recommend, I guess, for parents who have very young children, let's say under two, Um, I spoke with a mom recently and she had asked me if screen time was recommended under two and she didn't like, she didn't like my answer. And I felt so bad. Right. Yeah. I could tell that she was feeling anxious and she's like, well, what do I do during the day? Like when my baby will be, she was expecting and she's like, what do I do when my baby is awake, but I have to prepare dinner or, you know, I want to watch the news or can I put the TV on in the background? So what are, what would you recommend for a new parent? That's probably either just had a child and the TV has been on or they're expecting a child. And now they're a little worried about that. Like how do they navigate their own environment? I say if a parent has a young child and is expecting another child Mm. and they don't necessarily have a support system Mm. to help them engage with one, with one of the children while they're carrying the other child or caring for the new child. And that's a lot Mm. on that parent. Um, And if that parent 
doesn't have a support system, I say find an engaging way to make the screen time. And when I say Mm -hmm. that, that's when you look for quality and the time is minimal. Like it's very rich, but minimal. So it's kind of like, I know that the situation is not ideal, but what's the minimal amount of time? Mm -hmm. And a lot of speech therapists and people don't really believe in timers or um, positive reinforcement anymore, which I do. I do honestly adapt it to each patient's family's situation. Like I've seen patients before and maybe they have a stressed out parent and they're having like a really intense, like two weeks at work. And I'm like, just use the iPad. And like, yeah. just use it. You're not a bad person. Yes, right. Exactly. Like um, you're already ready to crack. Um, mm. Sometimes it will give them some relief, but you, it's like, mm. we can't keep relying on instant gratification yeah. um, to keep children happy because it is, it's research shows that it's negatively impacting them yeah. incredibly with their language development, a TV and a screen and a video game and a movie. That is not what your child is going to learn language from. They're going to mm. learn language from their environment. And if nobody's interacting with them, they're not going to learn to communicate. You know, I, I remember, I don't know if it was somebody who told me this or if I had read it somewhere, but in, in terms of language and, and learning language and in a child, like how, how does it function? Because we might just think of it as words, but I remember somebody telling me, no, that the baby is looking at how you're pronouncing things, the way that your mm-hmm. mouth is moving. So can you explain that a little bit so that maybe that'll help us understand why it's so important for them to see us speak to them. So a child start interacting with their parent at, you know, when they're just very few weeks of age and they do that through cooing and mm. they do that through eye contact and they do that through watching and observing. And, you know, our facial expressions are a way of expressive language mm. and crying is a way of communicating when your baby's crying, they need, they're communicating to you that they need something. And when you respond to it, that's what makes them feel safe. Mm. And that's the first like real bond and connection of communication that you have with Mm. them. And so moving forward, they want to see your face. They are going to start mimicking your smiles, your facial movements, They're going to start mimicking, you know, sticking out your tongue and some, you know, as they start to develop more of like sounds. So like, you'll notice some babbling starts to happen. So like Baba and the more that you model for them and the more they hear, because our receptive language is always higher than our expressive Mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. Um, because we know more than we're using because it's not applicable. All the things that we know are not applicable all the time, right? It's like when we learn a new language. Um, So I had learned Italian Mm -hmm. as an older child. And I remember just knowing that I understood what the teacher was telling me when I was learning this language, but I just couldn't communicate what I wanted to, but I knew the words only when she would say it. (laughs) So I get that As as a baby too, they're understanding more of what we're saying, but they still can't express it. It takes longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. That's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, 
when you your baby starts to express themselves and when they get to that babbling and then expressing sounds that's the key time because they have built that connection with you that's why they want to con- or that's why they want to communicate with you mm-hmm. it's all modeling they're following your lead mm-hmm. so that's why i love the the method of you know, you're, you're kind of like their narrator, um, to be really honest with you. And you know what, you're going to get so sick of hearing yourself. Um, when I work with peds, I'm just talking the whole time. I like, there'll get to a point that I'm like, I have not, but it, it's what works Mm. because, you know, you start saying, Oh, you, the child reaches and wants the cup. Oh, do you want the cup? Mm. Let me pour a big glass of water into your blue cup. And you're just adding all of these additional um, words Mm. and, you know, characteristics. And it doesn't have to be that right away. It can be as much as, oh, cup, cup. Do you want a drink? Mm. There you go. Yeah. Two words. Yeah. All associated with the cup. Compared to like these videos or these um, apps or whatever, that will say cup and then you point to the cup. There's no functional, there's no functional connection there. Yeah. That's, that's like a sight word thing. Mm. Uh, Those tasks are really good for individuals who have acquired Mm. a language impairment. Mm. They're still not super functional, but if a patient is very severe there, they work, Mm. you know what I mean? Um, But if a child is acquiring language, they need to acquire it in their environment to be able to use it functionally and fluidly. The concepts that children learn with their language aren't going to be there if you just teach the child a word. Mm. So the more the child sees the parent interact in the environment and interact with them, the more fluid language skills are going to come to the child. But the more the child sees the parent doing this. Yeah, on their screen. Yeah. The more the child is also going to want to do that. I get that. Your kid is always watching you. I promise that. It's important to bring um, that up because then it's harder. Because I, yeah. I mean, I had, I've had some younger kiddos, older kiddos. They have told me some deep dirt <laughs> about, and I'm like, how do you know that? And they're like, I heard my mom. And I'm like, don't repeat that. I'm like, your mom, your mom and dad would not want you telling people that. I know that for a fact. That is. That's their business. That is all for today, friends. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I encourage you to subscribe to the Curious Neuron podcast wherever you are listening to it. Please take a moment to rate it and leave a review. And if you do so, send me an email at info at I will thank you by sending you a PDF that we have on Curious Neuron Academy for free. Um, and you can also follow Curious Neuron on Instagram, curious underscore neuron. You can visit our website at curiousneuron.com. And if you need extra help, I do have an app called Wondergrade. Uh, all the links are in the show notes and this app can help your child with emotion regulation skills. I'll see you next week. Bye.